Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. The time for us to learn and experience God's grace is through a time of wilderness and hardship and trials. The Word of God mentions wilderness in many occasions, and we can interpret this by following biblical evidence and examples. You know, uh, I believe that the wilderness is a place of wandering because the Bible speaks about a person who wandered in the wilderness. There's a person named Hagar in the book of Genesis. She was cast out by Abram and his family. And the, Bi- and the Bible describes her travel in this manner in Genesis 21, verse 14. Hagar, putting on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Bathsheba. And uh, as we think about her, I guess, direction in the wilderness of Bathsheba, the Bible says that she wandered. She didn't know where she was going. She didn't have any destination. Uh, she had no security. And she did not have any uh, 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 goals or maybe even purpose during this time. And I believe, spiritually speaking, I think we have gone to a place like this in our lives where we wander sometimes, and we don't know the answers to all the questions of life, and we don't know why some things happen, and also we don't know why God is directing us in the way of the wilderness. And sometimes we feel insecure and We feel like there is no destination at hand. So wilderness is a picture of a person who is wandering. I think about wilderness as a place of no water, a place of thirst. Uh, As Moses led Israel to the wilderness after the miracle of the Red Sea, wilderness is described this way in Exodus 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness, and found no water. You know, it is said that a person can only survive eight to ten days without water. So wilderness is a place of physical destitution and a place of need. I think all of us has uh, somewhat arrived in our lives, and not in an extreme of where we can't find water or maybe cannot find food, but I think the physical necessity has been lacked, and and we don't know when, how we're going to pay our bills, or we don't know how we're going to pay the next maybe rent and, and uh, maybe the lease. And, and we get stressed and we get a little bit uh, 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 worrisome about uh, the financial status that we might be in. So wilderness is a place of destitution. And we see in the scripture that people in the wilderness did not have the needs I'm sorry, they didn't have their needs met in their lives, and, and they were longing for those needs to be met. And we see the example of the Israelites that way. I think about not only is it a place of wandering and a place of destitution, and, but a wilderness is a place of temptation by the devil. And uh, we know Jesus Christ was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted uh, by the wicked one. In Mark chapter 1, verse 13, it it reads here, And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts. So wilderness is a picture of a place where Satan has his plan. 
a place where Satan has his schemes for us to worship him rather than God. And this is a place of maybe deceptions and lies and confusion. And uh, I'm sure we have all been into a place like that in our lives. And we're confused and, and we are believing in a lie rather than the truth. And we are in every way tempted by the world and the flesh, especially by the wicked one. I'm sure we have all come into that areas of life and we could agree. And not only is it a place of temptation, but this place, wilderness, could be a place of murmuring as well. The Bible says in Numbers 14, verse 2, as it is a place of destitution, a place of wandering, a place of temptation by the wicked one, it could be a place where we could complain a lot. It could be a place where we maybe uh, falsely accuse God and maybe his plan and his purpose. The Bible says about the Israelites in the wilderness and the, all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? I mean, they wanted in every way uh, to falsely accuse God and saying, He wanted us to die here. He wanted us to suffer here. He wanted us to be empty and, and, and wanting and lacking. And, 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 and these people were in every way bitter. They're full of complaints and criticism and unbelief. And as we think of these descriptions and events in the wilderness, we must come to a realization that in the time of wilderness, even though it's a time of wandering and maybe a time of destitution and maybe a time of temptation, and uh, maybe we get to the area of complaints. Let us be mindful of the fact that we're not alone when we're in the wilderness. Jesus Christ says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And as we are in the wilderness, God is with us, God's people say. And that's a great encouragement for us. And it feels like he's not there, but God has promised that he is there and that he will always be there for us. Oh, David wrote in the wilderness of Judah as he fled from the face of the enemy, and King Saul was chasing him in Psalm 63, in verse 1 and 2. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. You see, in the midst of his trial, as he was in a dry, destitute, and a lonely and a thirsty land, David knew who he needed. He didn't need the physical water. He didn't need all the provision of the worldly things and the earthly things and the treasure thereof. No, he needed God Almighty. He needed the Lord. That was first. He said, I want to see thy power, and I want to see thy glory. You see, though wilderness is a place that is depicted as dry and thirsty, destitute, and in a place of desperation, I believe that this is a place where God could truly shine more than ever. For he wishes to bring forth his glory and his power in your lives as you are going through the wilderness. You don't have to complain. 
You don't have to be destitute. You don't have to in every way be bitter in your heart because God is in the midst. And we need to make sure that we have faith and hope and that assurance all the time. All the Israelites would never have known uh, that they would have been fed with manna or maybe quails or they would have never experienced a drinking out of the rock or, and, and also their raiment's not getting old or maybe feet uh, that never suffers from swelling and, and they would have never experienced a pillar of clouds for a shade and hot and dry journey and they would have never had the fire to keep them warm from the colds of the desert nights if they were not in the wilderness. You see, because they were in the wilderness, they saw the glory of God. They saw manna come down from heaven. They saw water coming out of a dry land from out of a rock. And they saw the quails flying from a day's journey. And they also saw the pillars of clouds and fire that kept them cool during the day and then also heated and warm during the night. You see, during the wilderness, God shined the most for the Israelites, you see. And ladies and gentlemen, we could also have that same experience in our lives in the wilderness. God wants to shine, and God wants to be glorified. Ladies and gentlemen, when we are in the wilderness, be sure to focus on your God who is in the midst with you. The Word of God gives us evidence in Psalm 136, verse 16, to him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, we agreed, as we think about this verse, that God leads us in the wilderness. But in the latter portion, we're thinking, hmm, mercy. His mercy endure forever. Now, you agree with that. Thank God for his mercy. But in the wilderness, you're thinking, you would think it's more grace. But ladies and gentlemen, we must recognize the fact that even during the wilderness, we deserve worse. We deserve worse. We could say, oh, woe is me, Lord, and look at my suffering. Why do I need to take on these trials and, and why, you know, these things at this time? And, and you could complain and we could all have bitter hearts because we think that we don't deserve the wilderness. But ladies and gentlemen, we deserve worse in our sins and also in our shortcomings. His mercy endureth forever. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let us, not in, any, in every way, elevate ourselves in the, a time of wilderness. No, let us glorify our Savior, Jesus Christ, for his mercy and also his grace. One of the famous Christians painting that Christians enjoy looking at is a painting done by Jack Dawson. And uh, this is not a painting of the wilderness, but it's called Peace in the Midst of the Storm. Peace in the Midst of the Storm. As we look at this painting, we do not immediately think of peace. There is lightning with dark clouds in the background, and there is a heavy waterfall hitting against the rocks. This picture doesn't necessarily depict peace, but turmoil. But one must look at this painting with great observation, for this picture does not just depict storms, but it depicts grace and peace during turmoil. One of the most, uh, one, I'm sorry, must notice the silhouette of Christ on the rocks, for he beholds us in the time of the storm. 
One must notice the carven cross on the rocks, for he is our Savior and has overcome world and death. One must notice the empty tomb on the rocks, for he is our resurrection and life, giving us eternal hope. And uh, by the way, this is not our home. We're just passing through, amen? And thank God for eternal life. And one must notice the unmoving dove in her nest beneath the rocks, for we are secure in the rock of our salvation. He secures us and protects us. Truly, this picture is a great, wonderful application for any Christians to know that in the midst of storms, in the midst of turmoil, that God protects us, beholds us, and secures us, letting us know that He is our Savior and that even through all the storms and even through all the turmoils, that we can stay where we are and be secure in knowing that He will pull us through. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let us find security rather than insecurity. Let us find a, a, a great a, a reservation of peace and love rather than complaints and maybe bitterness and hopelessness and unbelief. Let us all find peace and grace in the time of turmoil or maybe whether in the storm or, or, or either in the wilderness. You see, God is in the midst of us. In the book of Deuteronomy, as we read just a moment ago, God reminds the Israelites how he was with them. But also, God reminds them why they had to go through the wilderness. And that's the greatest question, right, for all of us. Why the wilderness of life? Why the trials and the turmoils and the heartaches and the disappointments and destitutions? Why do we have wilderness? Well, let us go through what God shares with us concerning the place of wilderness and the reason for the place of wilderness. I'll share with you four spiritual reasons that God gives in his intentions and purpose in the wilderness. First of all, let's think about the fact that he wants to do the proving. The proving. Look at verse 2, and it's also in your notes. And thou shalt remember all the, all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. You see, God's sovereign plan was that they would be proven. You see, God gave them his laws and his commandments and ordinances to perform even during the wilderness, and God wanted to see if they were sincere in following him. And we will question why the time of wilderness for all of us, so that we, the answer is, so that we may be proven. And what do you do in the time of wilderness, ladies and gentlemen? How do you respond, and what is in your heart, and what do you say? By the way, what we say does reveal what's in our hearts. Psalmist had his time of affliction and trial. If you look on the screen with me in Psalm 66, verse 10 through 14, it says, For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us, as silver is tried. Thou brought us up into the net. Thou hast affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou brought us out, brought us out into a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows. Look at verse 14. Which my lips have uttered, and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. You see, the psalmist was burdened about his guilt and his sin during the time of his turmoil. 
at his time of proving that he misspoke about God. That he misspoke about the things that was occurring in his life. Maybe he had some complaints. Maybe he poured out some uh, uh, different accusation against the Lord. So he brings the burnt offering. He brings the sacrifices because he has committed sin against God with his mouth. That's why he says, you have proven me, Lord. You have tried me like silver is tried in the furnace. You found me out. He realized that he had to put all some, I guess, uh, uh, materials that were defiling him to be a vessel like silver for Jesus Christ. And, uh, and Psalmist was repenting for what he had spoken when he was in trouble. And we know by the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And ladies and gentlemen, what do you say during the time of trial? Do you have more complaints or do you have more praise? God wants to prove you. God wants to know what's in your heart. He already does. And he will let you know what is really in your heart by what you say and how you evaluate the situation in the time of wilderness. Ladies and gentlemen, we might glorify the Lord now with our mouths when everything's going well. But what's really in our hearts will be found out during the time of the wilderness. Do you remember when the Red Sea occurred, the miracle of the Red Sea? And uh, the water split, and the Israelites went on dry ground. That's a miracle itself. You would think at least it would be wet, but God made it to be dry. And, uh, you know, the, some of these movies and some of these uh, uh, Hollywood depiction of uh, 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 the Red Sea splitting, these people are walking in mud, they you know, barely walking out of the Red Sea. I don't think that occurred that way because the Bible says that they walked on dry land. They didn't have a struggle. No, you know, uh, 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 no, I guess, uh, horses or donkeys or, or maybe even wheels were stuck in mud at all because they had dry ground. And, and they passed through the Red Sea and, and all the, uh, uh, the Pharaoh's army were swallowed up the Bible says, and they perished. And what did they do? What did the Israelites do? As soon as they crossed the Red Sea, they began to praise the Lord. They sang the victory that God gave them. But what happens later on? They start complaining, murmuring. You see, when everything was going well, they were praising God. But when everything was going sour, they were complaining. What was that? It was their heart that was the problem. Their heart was in every way full of iniquity and sin. It wasn't right with God. That's why they needed the time of wilderness. And God wanted to know if they would keep the commandments of the Lord as well. The proving has to be done. Why? Because the Bible says in John 14, 15, if he loved me, that's with your heart. You love with your hearts. If he loved me, keep my commandments. And God wants to do the proving whether or not you will keep following the commandments and the scripture that God has revealed to you. 
And this is the greatest commandment, is to love God. And, and we know that, uh, 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 that God wants us to love him with all of our hearts and our soul and our minds and our strength. And in the time of wilderness, would you still love God? And for you to find out whether or not you really love God is for you to know whether or not you're following his commandments. If you are following his commandments, then you truly do love God in the time of wilderness. But if you're not following the commandments of God, you're neglecting it, and you're complaining, and you're bitter, and you walk away from the Lord, you walk away from church, you walk away from the scripture, you walk away from Christian fellowship, God has proven you to be unfaithful, and God has proven you to be not loving God. You see, this is a very important matter to our God. He wishes to prove our hearts, and he wishes to know if we are sincere. In the time of the wilderness in your life, would you read God's word? Would you witness? Would you love and have peace with others around you? Would you sacrifice? Would you die to self? Or would you be fleshly? Would you neglect all that God has taught you and has stilled in you? I read in the scripture this morning in 2 Timothy, Apostle Paul encourages this young man, continue in the things that you have learned and have been sure of. Oh, how that encouraged my heart. You see, one thing is to start, but it's another to continue. You have started out your Christian life fine and well, and everything was exciting uh, when you uh, uh, received Christ as your personal Savior. You went to church three times a week, but then later on, as you go through your life, the spiritual warfare starts coming around you, and temptations and trials come around you, and and the devil is out to get you. What are you going to do? Are you going to continue? It's wonderful to start. But are you continuing? God's grace is sufficient for you to continue. Do you believe that? And I, in every way, want to encourage you to, as you go through the time of wilderness, as you go through the time of storm, God knew that the trial would come. This is the advice that I give every person who's going through trials. I told this young man uh, about a month ago, and, and the family's suffering, and and uh, he's having a lot of different issues right now. And, and he was in tears. And I just had to give him a hug and say, it's okay. Everything will be all right. God knew that this would happen even before. You know, uh, as we think about our lives, I shared with you in the greeting in the bulletin this morning that, you know, God has his great, wonderful power of foreknowledge. God knew that you would go through that trial even before you were born. God knew that this would come. And God pre-planned it so that you may be proven, so that you may be found faithful. God already knew. And God always will know. And ladies and gentlemen, let us in every way dwell in the foreknowledge of God and let us trust him and And, uh, you know, the Bible is very clear for the Israelites as well that Moses spoke to Pharaoh, hey, let let God's people go and let us go into the, where? Wilderness, three days journey, and we'll worship God there. And Pharaoh said, no, you worship God here. Why don't you just stay here and worship God here? He says, no, we got to go out to the wilderness. Three days journey. You see, God pre-planned for the Israelites to be proven. God knew what was about to come. 
And Le Shemin, God knows all the happenings of your life. And he, he has those things in front of you so that you may be proven, so that you may be a right vessel, a clean vessel, a tried vessel. And I want to encourage you along that way. So with that, secondly, the priority, the priority. Verse 3, and, uh, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that, the, uh, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Why the wilderness? So that you would know the importance of God's word. In the time of the wilderness, you know, riches won't do. You know, a luxurious life won't do, a, a new house won't do, a pleasures won't do, and maybe even a new car won't do. I believe only God's work can satisfy your soul, and God's work could only edify your life. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, those things I just mentioned before doesn't change you and me. It might make you feel good, but it doesn't change our inward man. And, and God wants to change you and I so that we may be more like Jesus Christ. And let us not rely on the temporal things and the beggarly things and the vain things. Those things will come and go. But the, board, but the word of God says in Mark 13, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Rely on God's word, my friend. He is in every way reliable, and he has given his scripture so that we may be assured of the things that God has shared with us and that we could be found faithful and that we will see the prioritization of our lives, that it is not the earthly things, but it is the heavenly things, and God's words will direct us that way. And do not neglect the priority in your life. What does God want from you in the time of wilderness? Not only proven, but he wants you to be prioritized. He wants you to read his word. He wants you to know that this scripture right here is the answer to your issues. This scripture right here is a direction is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You don't need beggarly things of this world. You don't need more riches. You don't need a finer job. No, you need God's word, my friend. You need God's word to change your perspective and change uh, your uh, 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 heart of unbelief to believe because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, I want to encourage you to know the priority at hand priority is God's word. God's word will change your life. Oh, God's word has power. In Psalm 29, verse 8, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness, and the Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. You see, every word of God is powerful, and we need every word, and that his word is much more powerful and much more glorious when we are in the wilderness, my friend, and he will prove that to be true. His voice shaketh the wilderness. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why the wilderness? The priority of God's word. The priority of God's word. I want to encourage you to prioritize your life, not just during the time of ease and the time of comfort, but especially in the time of wilderness. And God's word has to be right in front of you all the time. And by the way, it shouldn't just be on the pages here. It should be in your hearts. 
you should be in, it should be in your hearts. And we should always meditate upon God's word. You know, as I am uh, uh, growing older in the Christian life, and, and much of you have more experience than I do, and you were saved a young man and, or maybe a young lady, and, and we thank God for your testimony, and I think you agree with me. As I'm reading God's word every single day, one of the great challenges and the next level I need to get to is to meditate more upon the scripture that I already know. Because, you know, we have read the scripture over and over again, haven't we? We know from Genesis to Revelation. We know what happened to the Israelites. We know what happened uh, 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 to Jesus Christ in the Gospels. You know what he said. And, and, and you know, everything that, uh, uh, that we have uh, knowledge of is with us. And, and uh, we are aware of it because we have read the scripture from cover to cover. And we have heard a lot of preaching. But the next level, as I believe, is meditating. Are we meditating upon God's word? Are we really soaking up his truth every single day? Are we relying on his truth every single day? Oh, let us not in every way to think that knowledge alone is enough. No, knowledge alone puffeth up, my friend. You need charity, that's God's love, that edifies you and and uh, the only way to do that, I believe, is to really meditate. With that provision, let's think about provision. There are ri- thy raiment wax not old abounding, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Not only the proving, the party, but also the provision. You know, God proved to the Israelites that God can take care of them through the wilderness. And ladies and gentlemen, so can God during the time of your wilderness. He can provide. He will feed you. He will guide you. And he will protect you. Christ said in Matthew 6, verse 31, Therefore take not saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God says, don't take any thought what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. Because God already knows you have need of all these things. What are we to be concerned about? We need to be concerned about seeking the kingdom of God. And ladies and gentlemen, let us make sure that in the time of wilderness, that God will always provide. It doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter how, God will provide. In 1 Timothy 6, 8, his grace is always sufficient. Let's read this together if we can. Ready? And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Do you have raiment today? Do you have clothes today? Did you have breakfast this morning? I had my share of breakfast. The golden arch, amen? And, uh, you know, everyone, in every way, we have been provided with food and raiment. And the Bible says, be content with that. Be content with that. I'll probably eat tomorrow. And to be quite honest with you, I think all of us would agree, we will not pray for the food for tomorrow. We will not say, dear God, please let me have breakfast tomorrow morning. I don't think we have prayers like that every single day. Now, some people in the third world country might, but in America, we've been blessed in every way, and we take it for granted. We kind of shared that last week. But I'm just simply saying that God has always provided for us. 
And for us to want more and be covetous and, and not be satisfied with his grace, which is so sufficient. That's what happened to the Israelites. They wanted quail. They wanted flesh and meat. They didn't like manna. They got tired of manna. And they got quail, the Bible says, about a two cubits high. And uh, that's almost up to your waist, by the way. That's how many quails they had. And uh, they ate and they ate. And the Bible says some of these people, as they were eating, that they were eating and not, uh, I'm paraphrasing this, but they were not detaching themselves from the meat. They were swallowing it and chewing it at the same time. And God saw that as lust. And God smote them in the wilderness. You see, sometimes when we want more and be covetous, we become more lustful and more fleshly. We don't become more spiritual. I just want to encourage you today that God in every way knows what you need and he has provided. Be satisfied. Give glory to God in time of wilderness especially. Number four, I'm done. The poise. The poise. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart. You see, he keeps on talking about the heart. That as a man chasing his son, as the Lord thy God chasing thee, therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his way and to fear him. You know, the poise is important to God. The balance of composure and graceful control. And for God says later on in verse 7, I read for you, for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, and a land of brooks, of waters, of fountains and depths, that bring spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil and olives and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. And a land whose stones are iron and out of those hills thou mayest take brass. In verse 11, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Because beware, in verse 17, thou say in thine heart, my power and my might uh, and might of my hand had God me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he giveth thee power to get well. He, he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is to say. You see, God is instructing the Israelites, you're going to go to a good land, full of milk and honey, and the stones will be like uh, 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 iron, and uh, uh, the hills will be like brass, and you're going to be blessed, and you're going to have all the goodly houses, and you're going to have all the food that you want, you're going to have your land, but beware, have the right pose and poise, and have the right composure, and the grace, and the humility, because you will say in your heart, might and by my power. You might say, I don't do that. Men, let's talk about your work. You tell me how you present your work to me. I'll tell you if you have pride in your heart. You tell me how well you do things at work. and I, I understand you need excellence, but I hope somewhere in that paragraph or somewhere in that explanation, you glorify the Lord. Don't tell me your skills, how intelligent, how smart you are. We are nothing without God. 
you're almost there. You're almost there like the Israelites. Your poise is wrong. Your composure is wrong. You're, you're not full of humility. You're full of pride. And that's why we need a time of willingness to be grateful, to be accountable to the Lord, to be humble. Go to Leviticus 23 and we're done. Leviticus 23, look at verse 40 down to verse 43. Look at the scripture and where God instructs the Israelites to do, what to do when they go to the promised land. Verses 1, verses 40, I'm sorry, down to verse, verse 43. And he shall take you on the first day, is a time of the feast. Once a year, they were supposed to do this. There are different feasts in the calendar, of the Jewish calendar. And this feast here, on the first day, the bows of goodly trees, you should take bows of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and bows of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So seven days, okay, you will rejoice. Now, what do you do with all these branches, bows, and willows? What do you do? Verse 41. Ye shall keep it the feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. Ye shall be a stature forever in your generation. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Verse 42 now. Ye shall dwell in what? Booths. Seven days out of the year. You get out of your nice house. You get out of your goodly house. You get out of your land. You're going to dwell in booths. All that the Israelites born shall dwell in booths. That your generation may know. That I made the children of Israel to dwell in boots when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, we're not at the Old Testament. Okay? And we're not Israelites. We don't need to do this. But can you imagine for us to go out of our house? You set up a tent. And you make it with sticks and branches, whatever you have in scarcity. And, and you make booths, and you dwell there for how many days? Seven days. Seven days out of the year, you dwell in booths. Why? Why? God wanted the Israelites to remember that you were in the wilderness. Remember, you were in the time of need. Remember, you were in trial. I brought you out. Don't you know I brought you out of the land of Egypt, a place of persecution? So seven days out of the year, would you dwell in boots so that you may be mindful of gratitude and your heart be filled with humility? Would you do that? And ladies and gentlemen, I think we need to do that in our hearts continually. Would you have some boots set up in your heart where you say, Lord, thank you for the wilderness I have. And thank you even for the wilderness I have, whatever trial and heartache you go through. Because in the time of the wilderness, you get to set up your boots and you rely on the Lord heavily. You trust the Lord. You seek the priority of God's word. You see the proving. You realize you are wrong. And by the way, I was going through the Bible study with a couple of college students on Friday night. We were going through the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. In the judgment seat of Christ, meaning Christians, every knee shall bow. 
and they will confess to God. Why confess? To let God know, Lord, you are wrong. At the judgment seat of Christ, I was wrong. Confess. You and me, all of us, we're going to kneel and confess and say, God, you were so wrong. While we were living here, you were so dead wrong about what we thought to be true and what we thought we were right about, and we were so wrong. We're going to do that, all of us. Let us be humble then. Have the right poise. Have humility. Have humility. Especially in the time of wilderness. And when God, when God gets you out of wilderness, be grateful. Have your boots set up still and be grateful.